Rundown is a collaborative Catholic news and opinion show endeavoring to expose and mock the Build Back Better New World Order in both civil society and the church. We've correctly predicted lockdowns, mandates, elections, and public frauds of all manner. Covidians hate us, normies try to ignore us, and fake news organizations wish they could be us. This is The Rundown. Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. RestoringTheFaith.com much experience you are the leader of this country because it's ridiculous nobody believes we're going to take down i was going to I was talking about taking down Putin. nobody believes that and the title of this session are we ready for a new world order We do not yet know the full extent and the systemic and structural changes which will happen. However, we do know that global energy systems, food systems and supply chains will be deeply affected. This is a special Thursday edition of The Rundown. I can't believe we're all together. Look, there are three of us in the massive RTF estate. I don't know which side of the... Million dollar mansion. I I don't know which side of the property we're on. uh, East, west, north, south. I should should figure that out. We could call it the west wing or the north wing. uh, I I sold my mansion so that you could have yours back. (laughs) I know. Look at you. You're slumming it now, James. What's up with that? Back in my humble abode. This is a special Thursday night edition of the Rundown because we have the pleasure of having Bug Hall with us here live in the RTF mansion, and uh, <laughs> we're going to be talking about quite a few things. We have a consecration that happened. I know you guys talked about it last week without me. Were you on there, brother? I don't I know. think so. Yeah, I was on there. Yeah, you guys talked about it without me, but you got you got more people to weigh in. Uh, we have the New World Order segment. We have two groomer videos that you're not going to believe. Uh, but our top story tonight is Disney's gay. Like I love Disney's content. I grew up watching, you know, all of the classics. They have been a huge, like, informative part of my life. But at the same time, like, 
I worked at small studios most of my career, and I'd heard, you know, you hear whispers. Like, I'd, I'd heard things like, oh, you know, they won't let you show this at a Disney show. And I'm like, okay. So I was a little, like, sus when I started. And, but then my experience was bafflingly the opposite of what I had heard on my little pocket of, like, you know, Proud Family, Disney TVA, um, the showrunners were super welcoming, Meredith Roberts, and, like, the, the our leadership over there has been so welcoming to, like, my, like, not-at-all-secret gay agenda. And so, like, I, I feel like I felt like it was, I mean, like, maybe it was that way in the past, but I guess, like, something must have happened in the last, like, like they were turning it around, they're going hard. And then all that, like, momentum that I felt, like, that sense of I don't have to be afraid to, like, let's have these two characters kiss, let's, in the background, like, I was just, wherever I could, just basically adding queerness to, like, to, if you see anything queer in the show, I'm proud of them. But, like, I, I just was like, no one would stop me, and no one was trying to stop me. Wow. No one would stop me, and no one was trying to stop me. Ryan, they've been trying to add queerness since, uh, for a long time, and now they're just coming out in the open about it. I, honestly... I'm surprised it took them this long to just 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 admit what their agenda is. Yeah, it's it's. I think at this point they own the narrative, they own the game, so they've just decided they're going to push forward with it. Um, and I think last week I had a bunch of videos on about this kind of thing and about how now they they just do whatever they're going to do, and they don't care about any pushback. And when you get just that little bit of pushback. Like in Florida, with some sensible little thing like, hey, how about we don't talk about sexual relations in any respect with kindergartners? How about we don't talk about this or that type of sex act or reference that we were out with our boyfriends over the weekend or our girlfriends or our same-sex, gender-neutral, whatever partners at whatever nightclub over the weekend? How about you just don't do that with kindergartners? You know, it's, we're not even talking about, you know, someone who, you know, makes a misstep with some teenagers that he misjudges their age because they seem so much older and he accidentally tells a slightly off color thing that offends some parents. We're talking about talking to kindergartners. There's no gray area. You don't talk about these things with them. And the left has gone bananas over that. So because, it, because they pretty much expect now this woke orthodoxy where they can do whatever they want, whenever they want, say what they want. That's for them is the new normal. And so Disney doesn't have to do these things covertly anymore, do this kind of general support of it. Now it's just in the open as much as they can. Although when it comes to certain business decisions, uh, like showing movies in China where the Chinese government won't allow a gay kiss and they won't allow uh, all these sorts of um, LGBTQ whatever things to be there, they'll edit those out of the movies. They will take all these things out, and nobody raises a voice about that, of course. It's only right here, the remnants of Western culture in this country and in Europe, that they absolutely are determined to you know, ground down into just, just dust and, and blast it somewhere else. Ryan, why are you wearing sunglasses? That's a good question. <laughs> I forgot to take them off, and I like the look, so I'm just going to keep them for a while. You're just rolling with it. <laughs> it's, rolling. Like, it's, like when you, it's like when you're sitting in the front and it's a solemn high mass and you accidentally stand up when you're not supposed to. And you're just like, well, I'm standing. Right. And I'm just going to own it. 
especially during the Gloria. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're like, well, here I am. I'm the guy standing, and I think I know what I'm doing. All right. Mm. On the on on the culture war uh, thing, James. Apparently, there were the Oscars um, recently. I didn't even know that it happened, uh, but for the famous Will Smith slap, which we'll get to. But here we have, if you can't have one host of the Oscars, maybe three hosts will get you some viewership. And um, here they are making the Oscars relatable to your average person. We're going to have a great night uh, tonight. And for you people in Florida, we're going to have a gay night. Gay, gay, gay. We're having a gay night, James, um, for the people in Florida. Yeah, so they're making fun of uh, Governor DeSantis's uh, new law that prohibits uh, the sexualization of kids, right? And this is back to the whole uh, Hollywood is uh, deeply uh, is deep-seated when it comes to this agenda. You can't get away from it any anymore. It's 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 uh, fair complete. It's complete. You know, uh, many years ago, you you had reputable voices standing up and somewhat speaking out against this, but now their voices are drowned out. Now they have these three uh, women, e- even on the stage of uh, the uh, the Oscars. You know, uh, laughing about this, promoting it, and uh, it's it's really it's really disgusting. Um, it's really unfortunate that. Uh, you know, uh, we've sort of allowed Hollywood to gain all that ground, and it's it's this battle. It's an uphill battle, right? Getting getting back to uh, basically creating a safe, truly safe uh, atmosphere environment, you know, for for kids out there. And now you have with the video you showed early on with uh, Disney uh, voicing out loud how they are pro, and that and of course you know this. That's not the only video that was that came out this past week. Several other videos came out. And uh, this has been part of, part of the agenda for a long time. When we allowed Will and Grace into our living rooms uh, back in back in the early 2000s or whatever it was, the idea was, well, you know, um, this is not really going to affect anybody. When we allowed what's her name, uh, Ellen, into our living room, same 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 thing. Well, she's funny, she's cute, you know, she's not obscene. Uh, and then you have uh, you, you know them creating uh, you know a position. You know, everyone in NBA is too straight. We have to have one gay person in there. He doesn't have to be the best basketball player. We got to get him out there. And so now they're gayifying everything around us. And this is just uh, it's a big mess. So we're, we're climbing out of the hole we created by falling asleep and letting uh, these uh, people take us, you know, for a ride. So this is yeah. where we are now. Yeah. And, and, and the groomers, the groomers bug are really up in arms about, this whole Florida thing. I mean, here's, here's a clip of a teacher who's just absolutely upset that he can't talk to his school children about his sex life now. Yeah. You know, it's twofold. It really hits hard um, in my heart professionally and uh, personally, both Uh, professionally. It it truly makes me feel like um, I am not trusted as a professional um, I know my kindergarten standards through and through, and um, nowhere in our curriculum 
does it have anything about um, teaching sexual orientation or sexual identity? Um, so for them to, to say that, that, that that's happening, um, it, you know, it's kind of crazy. Um, but uh, we should be able to have discussions, and, and that's what we're encouraged to do in kindergarten. And then personally, because, um, you know, my, my kids do have questions. They want to know who the, uh, my partner is in pictures yeah. outside of my classroom, and I should be able to speak to that. So, so do you worry that you won't even be able to talk about your own personal home life? I mean, I, I have a child in kindergarten right now. I know exactly that my, my child has two teachers, one of which has a daughter at home um, and is single. The other is married and has four children. I, I know everything about their lives because my kid tells me. Absolutely. You are 100% correct. Um, that's what we do as educators. We build relationships with our kids. And in order to build relationships, you talk about your home life. You talk about what you do on the weekends. That's building community. I It scares me to death that I am not going to be able to have these conversations with my children because they're going to ask me. It's building community, Bug. It's building community. Um, yeah, you know, <clears throat> Grooming aside, because let's be real, that, that's, the, that's the motive behind all of this, right? Yep. Um, that's why you find those types of people in those types of fields. That's why they flock to companies like Disney. That's why they end up in you know, grade schools and things like that. Um, but on a completely different level, why are any teachers talking to their children like their peers? Why yeah. are they telling who who goes to school to, I didn't know anything about my teacher. I knew absolutely. I went to public school my whole life, even through all my, you know, all the, all my career. And I always ended up back in public schools between films. I didn't know anything about any of my teachers. They kept their private lives private and they taught us school. I imagine that. Um, And they didn't act like they were our buddies. Um, They weren't meant to be our friends. They disciplined us uh, when we needed Mm -hmm. to. It was just a different time. We live in a world of perpetual children who genuinely look at children like they are uh, their equals. Um, I, you know, there's a big psychological problem here that runs a lot deeper than you know uh, people whose sins cry to heaven for <laughs> vengeance. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think I think that's an interesting point, and and the psychology of it. Uh, I want to take it in a slightly different take. It, it is a problem that they speak to children like their peers brother but i think that disordered people especially homo narcissists are interested in reproducing but because they physically can't biologically can't i'm not a biologist but i'm pretty mm-hmm. sure they can't um then their means of reproducing is grooming it is recruiting uh or you know more people like like that right i would i would first i want to say this because i i did grew up also in public school and I did have a, an experience with, with a, a teacher that was the same sex attracted in the sense that she was my fifth grade teacher. And it wasn't in hindsight, I could look back and say that there was uh, evidence of this, but only because I'm older now and, and know what the evidence would be. Um, I mean, she was very much into sports, Kansas city chiefs, all that kind of stuff. It was only later on in my senior year in high school where I ran into her by chance because I, I ran in, I was, I was doing a, a musical. I was playing guitar for a musical, a yeah. local for the community. And I ran into her, her wife and only, only because she came to the musical to support that I, that I finally make the connection. But I remember back in fifth grade where my teacher 
who was married to, to another woman. She was a woman and married to another mo- woman legally. Um, she refused to talk about her home life. She refused, absolutely refused. When, when some of the students asked her about her political leanings, Republican, Democrat, she, she always even refused to, to even explain why she chose a, a specific position. She, she said she was Democrat, and she simply said for her own personal reasons. She didn't share anything else. Mm-hmm. And so I, I even know that it's possible for people to, to not share anything more about their, their private lives, all that kind of stuff, even when they have that particular inclination. Um, so that's one thing. Um, but yeah, the, the fact that people really need to reproduce, to, to groom others to be um, just like them. I mean, it's, it's the only way that, that homo narcissists can actually reproduce is, is, is by convincing other people that, that that's what they are. I mean, in counseling, and I mean, I hear this uh, several times when, when someone's struggling psychologically with either gender dysphoria or something else, um, they go to a psychologist who themselves are, are transgender or suffering from uh, gender dysphoria. And they just simply want to convince the person that they're counseling that they also are, are gender dysphoric or are transgender. And so they simply take that on. Um, so whether it be in the, in the classroom or in the, in the counseling room, uh, there is this uh, tendency for those who have a particular inclination to try to reproduce and create yeah. in others. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, like it's a, it's a recruitment, uh, Ryan. It's, it's an active desire to as, as somebody in the comments very astutely pointed out it's not just about reproducing other people but to the homo narcissist they need the affirmation of others so if they can successfully groom the next generation of children to be disordered like them then they can feel good about their own disorder uh because other people are like them vindicated yeah yeah right and and it's true there's there's actually something that comes to mind here um sorry for yet another pop culture reference but with the it's an interesting thing with the coming of amazon's lord of the rings thing people have resisted it by putting up a quote from tolkien uh that you know evil cannot create anything new it can only destroy and corrupt or something to that effect now tolkien didn't actually say anything quite like that but it's based on something explicitly he said in, in the book as well as in his letters but you see that, you know, in the book, uh, the evil that existed either in the Silmarillion Age or in the Third Age, it could not create its own new brand of evil beings. It had to corrupt and destroy other ones. So orcs were originally elves that were, were tortured into this new form that is the orc or the little goblin demon of sorts. Then you have, um, you know, trolls. Trolls were made in mockery of, of Ents, you know, the big tree creatures that that. Uh, Rome. They can't create anything new. They only corrupt what's already there. And in this case, too, uh, you know, the devil can't create marriage. All he can do is to create a a mockery of it, a distortion of it, right? That then transform it into something that's that's its opposite, uh, rather than create. You know, because he didn't, can't create anti sacraments. He creates things that corrupt and wreck the actual sacraments that God made, and so on and so forth. So the uh, you know, the father of lies who brings all this stuff to us, the people that are de- you know, deluded by that, it, they're in the same boat. They can't create anything. They can only destroy. And that's why what was the big push uh, late 90s, early 2000s was, was gay adoption. That was a big thing. Oh, we want to adopt children. Mm-hmm. And then you'd have case after case. Obviously, it's not every single one of them, but a good number of I mean, we could start putting up the news stories back when they used to report it of uh you know, homosexual adoptive parents that abused and raped 
their kids. You know, obviously not all of them do that, but it did happen quite and more than a little. So that, uh, you know, they can't create, they destroy. And that's yeah. why that obsession with having that so we can, you know, because you want to mimic what's good and true is everything is still ordering toward what's true and right, but it just comes out in this very disordered way. You said you said the word. You said gay. You're not supposed to say gay. Uh, <laughs> uh, according to well, I, that's just whatever. So uh, here's another. Speaking of public school, we usually do the public school is a mortal sin segment later in the show. But here's another groomer teacher. If you want to stop me, you're gonna have to fucking kill me. Okay, I didn't know she was gonna say that. I'm sorry for the f bomb. <laughs> Wish I could take that back. So you need yeah, to get like up. a horn honking or some other thing in your soundboard. To, to, you know, I know. I didn't know she that. was going to say that. I'm so sorry <laughs> to the people watching at home. Man, that stinks. But what she was saying is you're going to have to kill me to stop me from grooming children. This was another woman who is a teacher in the public schools. Okay. And <laughs> there's something else about that, too, is that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bob finds those terms to be acceptable. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> But you look in all the social justice circles, it's predominantly women. Uh, yeah, every is. once in a while, you got a guy that, that his partner or whatever didn't drag him into it. That's more of a beta that's going along to get along with this whole business. But in general, the, the only men that are involved in the woke social justice crowd are, are men whose wives are active in it and kind of dragged them along. And, and it reminds me of in ancient Greece, uh, you have this one play, Ecclesiastosian. Uh, assembly women. And what happens there is there's a conspiracy of these women to take over the government of Athens. And they do it by pretending to be men. They dress as men. And in the beginning, actually, it's kind of, it's really funny, Aristophanes. Uh, it's hilarious how it, it plays out. And she it tries to coach all the women. The, uh, oh, darn it. Blepharon's the character. It's his wife. That's the ringleader for the whole thing. I can't remember her name at the moment. And she's trying to teach all these women how to sound like men. And one of them stop and say, oh, I swear by such and such God. And she's like, no, you can't do that. They'll know you're a woman now because only women swear by the goddesses. We got to swear by a God like a man. Uh -huh. And so they, she works all this stuff out. So they, they grab me. And of course, then the men are talking, hey, I couldn't find my boots this morning. And then they finally get the news. Oh, well, there was this, a strange party of citizens at the assembly that uh, voted to give the government over to the women. And they're like, really? Wow, how did that happen? <laughs> and it's surprising. So then it goes through, they, they create this radical, egalitarian, uh, quasi-Marxist society. They abolish private property. They do all these things that are, um, yep. that they seem, you know, to be fair and just. And, and they uh, introduce all kinds of, there's lurid stuff in the book, uh, so I, I won't I won't go out uh, in the play. I, think, I won't go out for that. I think audience. you've already done that, so I don't need to do it again. Yeah, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so I, I think anyway. it's true, Ryan. You can you can confirm this, and I'll kick it over to James too. Just on the topic of feminism, radical feminists, that at the end of the Roman Empire there was a very huge uptick in feminism. That's not usually the cause of the downfall of the empire. It's more of a symptom of the downfall of the empire. It was already in decline. But as we sit here in these United States, Ryan, we are a Puritan empire in decline, uh, both in power, prestige, and, and, and civilization in general. And we also have an uptick in feminism. 
I don't think that the, that feminism is really the cause of our decline. I think it's a symptom of it, but I don't, what say you? Me or James? Well, I was going to kick it to you and then James. Um, I would certainly think, I think it's a good analysis that it's a symptom of the decline and not the main cause. So the, uh, in the Roman empire, I mean, you didn't really see anything like what we have now in terms of feminism. Um, you do see more women in, in prominent positions, but it's, it's nothing like it is today. They had plenty so, of disordered people. Right. Uh, at, at, and part throughout. of it was the triumph of Christianity. And so the pagans who, you know, because the Romans themselves had, you know, adhered to the ancient virtues very closely so that uh, like homosexuality, for example, in the Roman period was called generally called the res greca. It's a Greek thing because it, it, in the only places you really saw it in Roman culture would be in the aristocracy in whatever area. But amongst the populace, it, it wasn't there. It was very unpopular. And so emperors, as long as they kept it somewhere where it wasn't in public view, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll kind of hold their nose and tolerate it. But once it became very flagrantly public, those emperors usually died. And so it, it, people just had no toleration for it. But then once you get to uh, you know Constantine and the victory of the church, so that the church is now the dominant force in, in Roman society, pagans, they don't just feel left out. They feel in, in, um, cold to show how much, how non-Christian they are by doing all the things with gusto that Christians say are wrong. And so that's where now there's to be this strong emphasis on uh, like the cult of Antinous, for example, which was established, it was oh. the very last god of antiquity. It was basically a god of homosexuals because it was Hadrian's lover who died in the Nile and they uh, and he recovered the body and buried him along the Nile and made a city to him, Antinoopolis. And so he was his last god of uh, pagan antiquity to be kind of created wholesale. So, and that's what he became primarily associated with. And actually that kind of cult, you know, it shows up again periodically over time, but that became a major cult at that in the fifth century because it, now it was like, Hey, we need these things to just show the Christians, you know, we're going to do it even more. Um, and so it, and like I said, I, I don't see a feminism that's anywhere near what ours is, but certainly, you know, there, there is a, a presence of a feminacy. Yeah. James, uh, what are your thoughts? You think uh, clearly we're a civilization in decline. There's no question about that. We're also an empire in decline in terms of temporal power, prestige, and influence throughout the world. Feminism is in the news right now. It's really hot on Twitter right now. Uh, maybe that's all I'll say about it. We'll see. But um, I don't think feminism is really the cause of our decline. I think it's really just symptomatic of the deeper uh, decay. But uh, what do you think? No, you're absolutely right. It's it's certainly uh, something that uh, is an effect of uh, liberalism and before that nominalism. I mean, trying to tie all of this together, it's it's very uh, it gets very complicated. But at least you know, starting out from the uh, early from the early twenties when we had the beginning of, uh, or at least the 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 height of the uh, suffrage uh, movement, we can at least pinpoint exactly where things started to really flip. So you have figures like, uh, you know, well, you, at least you had the suffrage movement and then you had figures like Margaret Sanger. You even had Hollywood figures 
uh, like Catherine Hepburn and uh, and others who were already pushing an agenda into the world because they knew we were headed at that point started to consume a lot of media, you know. So with, with Hollywood as a pro- propaganda, uh, you know, uh, piece uh, out there, a lot of things really started to uh, to go topsy turvy. So we've arrived at a point now where, um, the, the, you know, like I was saying earlier on, the, you know, the whole system is, is corrupt, you know, and uh, it's almost as though the uh, the idea of Eve, um, you know, is resurfacing, you know, and mm-hmm. we've forgotten about the new Eve, you know, the, the Blessed Mother, and we're looking into ourselves now to create this vision of another Eve that is going to supplant that new Eve who who is married um and this is this is the battle right so even you you mentioned something like the oscars what does the oscars represent you know you look at the emblem of the oscars it's a statuesque it's a figure of a of a man so in a sense we're, we're worshiping each other and we we live we live and thrive to be in that you know temple where we worship man and we are not content with elevating ourselves past a certain height anymore we're willing <laughs> to go down into the judges and pick up yeah. the you know the the dirt turning everything upside down so we can uh basically live in a in a way that is uh not true to, to our nature you know and that's yeah so feminism uh really has caused a big problem and we're losing our, our identity we don't know who we are anymore uh we're willing to concede uh any power to anyone who speaks something and right now you have these uh these women, these LBG, L, let me see, L, L, M, N, O, P. Don't IA. forget any of the I, I letters. Wanted, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I wanted to say the I A in there, you know, because that's that's a, that's a new thing now. That that's kind of where we are is we're looking for the next person who's going to give us more letters so we can, you know, give them that, you know, that don't forget uh, the SJ they that they need. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. brother for the win. <laughs> don't forget the SJ. Savage. Yeah. So right. yeah, you you mentioned the Oscars, and I know uh, Ryan had Ryan teed up this video. Bug, I don't know. You probably have attended the Oscars, for all I know. But uh, <laughs> there's 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 a cardinal rule apparently about the Oscars. I didn't know that this was a rule, but I learned it uh, on this video. At the fellas, fellas merch. Two days left on the drop, and not ordering somebody. A lot of people are of the mind that nothing should be off limits in comedy, but I'm of the mind that one thing should be off limits, and that's making fun of people's bald wives. When your bald wife's thinking about attending a show, she shouldn't have to be worried about whether it's one of those comedians who's going to make fun of bald wives. Hollywood award shows are a place for celebrating heroes and not a place to make bald wife jokes at the expense of Will Smith's bald wife. You know, it's one thing if your bald wife wants to make bald wife jokes at her own expense, but it's not the comedian's place to decide whether this is a time for those bald wife jokes. When Michael Richards hit the stage at the Laugh Factory, he said, some of the worst slurs imaginable, except for making fun of bald wives. Because even Michael Richards knew that bald wife jokes are a line that should not be crossed. If you see a comedian making a bald wife joke at a show, it's up to us to hold that comedian accountable and say, hey, bald wife jokes are not okay. Comedy has rules, like the rule of three, things that are not allowed. Sexism, racism, and bald wife jokes, in that order. In the odd case, after a comedian finishes his or her medical assessment of the audience and finds out that one of the bald wives in the crowd was a bald wife as a result of a fashion statement, and not a medical situation. Even then, I would handle that bald wife joke with extreme caution. If you want to make fun of the fact that someone's bald wife is having sex with his son's friends, 
then be my guest. But if you want to bring his bald wife's hairdo into the equation, you no longer have my stamp of approval. And despite the fact that edgelords like Chris Rock think that bald wife jokes should be okay, I hope that we can move forward to a bald wife joke free society where comedians come together in unison to say, no, I will not make bald wife jokes. And bald wife jokes are never okay. Our bald wife jokes are never okay, bud. The fellas fell. Yeah. Yeah, bald wife jokes are never okay. Um, you know, menage a trois with your your wife and her kids' friends and uh, <laughs> and doing a podcast, allowing your wife to do a podcast where she discusses every horrendous what thing. What that happen? She runs a podcast with her daughter, oh, and no. they discuss every horrible carnal thing under the sun that they do. Oh, wow. Publicly. With her, uh, with her mother, her mother and her daughter, right? Yeah, this is a mother daughter thing. Where she, yeah, this is beyond grooming. Yes, no, this is. I mean, it's. By the way, I knew those kids. They live in an uh, open I, marriage. I was, I was friends with them. I knew them. I mean, not friends, friends with them, but you know, oh they, they. I was uh, around them almost every day for months and months and months on end. They are severely damaged, um, and you know, I would never have said a word about their bald mother. I just, I just wouldn't have. No, because <laughs> because you're a man of class and taste. But here's the thing. I will say this. Because <laughs> I, I commented a little bit on this on Twitter, and I got this huge backlash from uh, from some people in the in the tra- sort of traditional community oh, no. claiming, you know, oh, now chivalry is no longer cool just so that you can own the liberals. Oh, trads are the worst. Hold on now. Everything we know about that marriage and about how public the horrors are, Mm-hmm. It's suddenly chivalrous in an environment where where roasting the audience is an expected part of the show. Yeah, that's suddenly chivalrous that he got up on stage and and slapped a man open handed for commenting on his bald wife. Let's let's go around the horn real quick. I want everyone to to weigh in because this is like the biggest controversy on normie twitter right now <laughs> first of all what is this slap even real okay you've seen it i'll show you one more time all right you saw it a hundred times in the intro brother martin is this staged or is this real i think bug could better answer this question i mean he have Two actors on stage. They're actors. <laughs> they're actors. And they know how to to move their heads whenever they're not actually getting hit. But there, I mean, is, but there is an actor who's very active in Catholic Twitter. His name's uh, Matt Marson. He thinks it's real. He argues it's real. I never even heard of the name. <laughs> he was in Black Hawk Down. Who, what's Black Hawk Down? It won the Oscar for Best Picture. We're talking about the Oscars. All right, what's brother, the Oscars? Cut off brother's mic. Turn off brother's microphone. Bug was was the slap real? I I strongly believe the slap was real. Mm. I watched it a bunch. I haven't watched the Oscars since two thousand and three. Okay, um, and I did watch this clip quite a bit. I've, I watched the long lead into it. What sold me wasn't the punch because you can you can you can prat a punch. It's not that hard. Two actors would know how to do that well enough. They would know where the camera, if it was planned. There's no way to, to determine based on that. All right. What got me is Chris uh, Rocks. His reaction as Will Smith was, was walking up. That was completely genuine. 
he was you can see on his face a total can he was confounded he was playing it off like okay this should be fine he's certainly not going to attack me but he's walking at me as though uh, he's going to attack me uh-huh. his face in that moment he's not that good of an actor Okay. His face in that moment was genuine confusion, slight terror, slight Uh uh, uh, fast thinking, wheels spinning. You got all that from this. We're gonna have a great night. Sorry, wrong one. You got all that from this. Man, you you must watch it. There's a close up of him as Will Smith first gets up and starts walking, though. Okay. Um, And if you watch that close up, I am. I am 100% sold that it's real. All right, so Bugs yeah. says it's real. And psychologically, it makes sense. Will Bro- Smith is a... Uh, I can't say that word. The brother, C word. Brother doesn't care, slash. He thinks it's staged between two actors. James, what do you yeah. think? I, I would like to get uh, you know another professional's opinion here. I think we ought to get in President Zelensky. He, he would have... Uh, better idea as an actor whether or not that is real. Or you're right. Safe. You're right. He, he has you know? an expert opinion. He's an actor. Expert expert opinion. But in my lay, layman's in my layman's understanding of how everything works, um, there's something called taking one for the team, right? And so um, the slap to me, I it initially looked like it was it was fake, and then I walk, I like bug. I watched leading into. Uh, into the slap. I mean, it's it's a real slap. Whether or not it was staged or not, that should that ought to be the question. Was was that slap staged? It was a real slap. But my confusion was the poise in which Will Smith basically uh, attacked attacked uh, okay. Chris Rock. Okay, so you're you know, saying it's a real slap, it. but yeah, okay. So the slap was it. real. It was yeah, real contact. It was real, it was real impact. The real, yeah, but that, that Ryan... looked like. Eh. Yeah. But right, so Ryan, you're gonna have to. I think we have a tie here because we have Brotherhood abstained. Bug says it's real for sure. James says it's a real slap, but it it probably was premeditated. What say you? I thought I was gonna be the absolute contrarian, but lo and behold, Bug uh, beat me to it. Um, but wow. I actually no, I think it's. I think everything at that Oscars was staged except the slap. there's a number of reasons for it one if uh i don't know if you got the video for it but you look at when chris rock is getting into his routine and he makes the joke will smith is laughing and and then we don't see a critical piece and i would put good money down that she that that jada pinkett smith looked at him and gave him the look of death just you can't let him do that. I'm not standing for that because I have no ability for self-deprecation or humility or empathy or anything else. We're in an open marriage and you do what I tell you to do. And I use your money when I want because you're uh, I can't say the word. So <clears throat> she gave him the look of death and he's like, oh, I better get up there and do something. And then his well, entire I mean, yeah. demeanor changes from that laughing. All right. And, 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 and I agree. And that's the walk up. Chris Rock really is kind of confused with the walk up. He really is. And he, because that was, he does look okay. You, and, and they hit, you know, granted they're actors and they could stage this, but the, there's the other bit that I demur here is that Hollywood would not stage a black man hitting a black man. They might stage a black man kissing a black man, but they're not going to stage <laughs> a black man hitting a black man because one of the things writers in writing rooms are most terrified of depicting is black on black crime. So <laughs> unless it's something okay. it's called well, boxing. Right. Right. <laughs> so what would you boxing? What would you call the National Football League? Okay, what oh. Okay, here we go. 
I just can't okay, stop. Okay, well, here's the question, though. Hey, hey, guys, here's the question. Why is Will Smith smiling when he smacks Chris Rock? And as he walks away, he continues to smile. That's the question I want to know. So I can as, answer he, that. as he as he impacts, as he makes impact with uh, Rock's face, he smiles. As he leaves, he smiles. So I just, that's got, a, I just got the funniest text message. It says to calm Will down, they gave him a statue of Jada. <laughs> pretty funny. That's pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Anyway. Thank you, Mister. So. <laughs> I can answer that. I I, I I grew up, I spent 30 years with those people, right? Okay. The reality is they are passive aggressive sociopaths, every oh. single one of them, right? And if you filter this circumstance through that lens and you realize that they are, their psychology is severely broken. They are absolute sociopaths. They have, they have, not a not an ounce of uh, self worth, right? It, it, a concept of of their own worth. They're they're petty. That smile is not genuine, right? That smile is this facade of of uh, uh, unrequited uh, aggression that's been held back, and he's finally letting it out for all the things that he hates uh, uh, his wife for, for all the things uh, that he thinks he's been uh, made fun of for in the public, right? Because I don't know if y'all know the meme. He's a huge. He's a huge meme yeah. right now. Right. Who, who will or Chris will, will. has been. Okay. He has been right. He's a yeah. yeah he, I mean, For of what? course he knows. He's a huge meme right. because there was an interview where he was trying to. He was Crying. smiling. Yeah. It's really sad to watch. Right. right yeah. He's smiling and telling how happy he is about his wife's freedom, and tears are streaming down his eyes <laughs> while he's going like this, like a sociopath. It's great. Right. We love it, and tears are just streaming. <laughs> Um, so oh, that's the smile on his face. Wow, that's the smile on his that face Michael Jordan meme where he's, he's crying. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. yeah, that's yeah. pretty. That, well, I didn't realize all that. Uh, we're still kind of on this groomer, don't say gay okay. thing, and I have one more video I want to play. I thought it was don't say bald. You can't say bald. Oh, you can't say go. gay. Yeah. You can't say anything yeah. anymore. Otherwise, you'll you get sued. Uh, here's here's uh, the governor of the great. Formerly great state of Oregon and her response to Florida. Hi there, Governor Kate Brown here. In Oregon, we say gay. Oregonians are welcoming of our LGBTQIA community members. We want to make sure that Oregon is a safe, inclusive, and welcoming place for all. Oregon's in Eugene and uh, Portland, maybe. I don't. I don't know what the IA stands for. I don't want to know what it is. But this this alphabet continues to grow. And you're right. Uh, Western Oregon versus Eastern Oregon. They're two different states. Ryan, you you know this. You live in that region. Uh, I do. Although I think I went through that Oregon part once myself because um, you know many hours north of there. But uh, we've got a lot of people that live in in Post Falls now that are from that area of Oregon, quite a few, in fact. Some that are from the West Coast, and we're just so happy to get out to a little bit of sanity, but others from the Eastern part, that and their, their culture mm. is a lot like ours up here. Uh, they can't stand what goes on in the rest of the state. They're more numerous than the rest of the state, but they're not, but they're not concentrated right there in Portland and Eugene. So, you know, it's basically the left, and they're competing with uh, you know, Comrade Inslee up in Washington, 
and uh, Newsom and formerly Jerry Brown down in California. So they're they're always trying to be on the up end. We're even more woke and more progressive than than you are down there. Yeah. So yeah. if you go to Eastern Oregon, it would be a lot of it would be indistinguishable from. Can I just take a Can I just take a quick moment and point out that we we may have missed a moment of Brother's genius. He actually completed the alphabet. It's LGBT SJ. Yeah. I, nobody. I don't think. I don't think people heard that. I want to highlight that. I left. I want to. I want to make that a thing. The Society of Judas. Yeah. That. Yeah. Them. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah them. Yeah. There's one of them. Uh, he's kind of making his way, and I don't have a, a screenshot or anything, but uh, he's making his way around Twitter because he has created this algorithm, one of these SJs, uh-huh. that automatically blocks conservative slash orthodox slash traditional Catholics. Right. And everybody is blocked by this guy, but but me. <laughs> I am not. I, his algorithm missed me, and I I really feel slighted. Yeah, this. you should get that checked out. I really should. <laughs> I, I thought I thought my particular Twitter activity would have been ensnared in this man's net. Actually, this, I, haven't, I haven't checked mine. He's a he him. Are you blocked by this? I don't guy? know. I haven't checked, but I, I should check because uh, I, he's just a he him, not a he they. He's a he him. Okay. Well, he, well you know. he's a he slash him slash geek are his pronouns. <laughs> mm. So he had to he had to have a little spin on it. Right. I have to get this personalization. Out. Yeah. I think I'm kind of known on Twitter for being controversial, but for some reason I've never even been put in timeout even once. But all the people that can call you've me never contra- been not even not even you've for never a been second. Jailed? Not even for a second. But all the people that call me controversial for some reason have been oh, blocked man. For, for like a day or something. I think least. of of everyone who's on the stream <laughs> right now, I think Bug Hall has the longest rap sheet. I probably he's always I think, in jail. He's been in always in jail. <laughs> I think the Recalto says that uh, it's 500 days out of purgatory for every uh, Twitter ban. Is that oh. it? You pick oh, up really? I need to pick those up then. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm I'm sure. Sure. Everyone, everyone sure. watching and listening to this stream needs to up your Twitter game. If you're not blocked by this SJ and or regularly in and out of the slammer. <laughs> Hey, I, may, my Twitter game is not the point, good. you know. I, Out of the birdcage? Yeah, I've never been blocked. I've never, I've never been in jail. My Twitter game is pretty uh I've point. never been in Twitter jail, actually. I had uh, oh, of course, Brian. some kind of what? warning for something. You've never been in kind of Twitter, Twitter jail? I believe that. I've been in Facebook yeah. jail. Um, yeah. Actually, it was hilarious. I was supposed to meet Jeff Kassman. Um, and it was a um I, I post this in our private chat frequently the books that say advanced uh fill in the blank with the other f word and um you know that one right the antique yeah, book yeah, and yeah, it's yeah, advanced, yeah. you know etc I, I posted that and it had nothing to do with people of that persuasion it had everything to do with mocking what somebody was saying and you know you'd say well that's blank and so i put yeah. the book up and right. uh somebody got triggered by that and uh, reported me to FedBook, and I got put in FedBook jail. So here I am in North Carolina, and I'm supposed to meet Jeff Kasman, and my only point of contact was FedBook Messenger, and I was not allowed to send anything. (laughs) So I had to get onto my wife's FedBook and say, okay, this is awkward, but this is actually Ryan, not his wife. And uh, I'm in FedBook jail. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) <laughs> so Before anyone, did, we had a marvelous dinner. Okay, but, uh, anyway. You are blocked. <laughs> all right, all so, right. So I'm the only for one. Those, yeah, for, for those who are, who are wondering what uh, that F word is, it's advanced bagotry with an F. <laughs> oh, bagotry. Yes, yeah, that's right. Rhymes with, rhymes with bagotry. All right. Um, that wraps up that section of the show. 
I think you guys are going to like the second half. in the world are going to start to doubt that America is back if some of these big things that you say on the world stage keep getting walked back. What's getting walked back? It made it sound like, just in the last couple days, uh, it sounded like you told U.S. troops they were going to Ukraine. It sounded like you said it was possible the U.S. would use a chemical weapon, and it sounded like you were calling for regime change in Russia, and we know... None of the three occurred. None of the three. Occurred. None of the three. Mr. President. Uh, that's an important message, Ryan, from your gaslighter in chief, who is uh, who is now just pretending. Well, he's actually no, he's doing the communist thing, Ryan, where he's expecting you to disbelieve what your five senses are telling you. He is demanding, in fact, that you ignore the words that came out of his mouth three days ago. It's just like in 1984. And they'll tell you one thing and then they'll contradict it the, you know, the very next day. But it's perfectly consistent with what they said the day before because that's how it works in Newspeak. And, and I don't know if this is a mere thing of he can't remember what he said or it's a deliberate attempt to gaslight the public or if he doesn't even know where he is at any point of the day. He's just saying, <laughs> we'll do this now yeah. because you did this yesterday and it, it's you know carrying out that agenda. But Either way, it really doesn't matter. The net effect is the same. Uh, well, I never said those things, um, and he absolutely did, and it, and it creates that effect of people. Are, well, you know, which is it? And that's exactly what they want. They want I, you know they, by your official organs. I am reminded, uh, Bug, of the early days of the Obama presidency, where the the adoring media was just slobbering all over themselves to to compliment Barack Hussein Obama. Here they are complimenting Joe Biden, saying he's the most experienced president in the history of the United States. Um, I still want to get back to your original words that he cannot remain in power. Can you help us understand you have more foreign policy experience than any president who has ever held this office? Whether those are your personal feelings or your feelings as... I just want to say, I think... That there was a president who was a secretary of state. He was an ambassador to France. He was an ambassador to Great Britain. He, and he was the president. He was on the foreign policy council. I mean, what makes us think, A, this premise bug that Joe Biden has all this foreign policy experience because he sat in the Senate and allocated money to foreign nation. I mean, that's, that's point A. And then point B is... The adulation that the media gives to dear leader uh, when and and enables him to gaslight all of us. Yeah, well, um, it's almost as if they're I don't know what the word is like they're bought and paid for or uh, <laughs> or it's all actually just one organization or something. Yeah. You know, you kind of get that impression. Um, but, 
you know, I mean, uh, 132 years in the Senate. I mean, that's a long time. It guy, is a long time. It guys, is long. I, you, you know, he's got to get away from him. He's got to have picked up something. Oh, and not to mention, he was vice president when we uh, created the coup in the Ukraine that led up to this. So, um, so he's invested in the Ukraine. I'm sure. Or actually, his son is invested, in, like literally invested in the Ukraine. Well, they're invested in in his son. And oh, him, I think. right. I think Sorry. they're the ones that put the investment. That's in. payor versus payee. Right. Got <laughs> it. Got it. Okay. Uh, right. But yeah, no. Surely he was he was asking Hillary what was going on in the Ukraine when she was sending the uh, the hey, uh, leave leave the big guy out of it. Yeah, the big guy. The big guy gets his ten percent cut. Mm-hmm. Ten um, percent. I love. I guy. love that we're we're ruled by um, a man who's who's lovingly referred to as the big guy um, by all of his 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 close people. Yeah, I think that's great. <laughs> uh, and here he is saying, "Here he is." I, I, we play this in the intro. He's gaslighting us again. So much experience. You are the leader of this country. Because it's ridiculous. Nobody believes we're going to take down. I was going to. I was talking about taking down Putin. Nobody believes that. Nobody Except believes. Everybody I heard you. Nobody believes, James, that we're going to take down Putin. Nobody believes that. I what? Uh, then what are we doing? <laughs> You're on mute, James. Thanks. I think. Mike. I think. I think Obama <laughs> muted you. Yeah. You're absolutely right. I mean, uh, we're expected to not remember what was said uh, mere weeks ago. Um, I guess it's the state. I guess he thinks our minds are in the same state as his mind, which is in constant uh, mush. But um, we, <laughs> we of course, uh, heard him say those words, and uh, we play those words over and over again. Even the media has played those words over and over again, hoping for an, for an escalation. Um, but, I mean, of course he's downplaying this now. I'm not sure what what his motive is for downplaying what he said or downright uh pretending he didn't say it but um you know i I, there's still an escalation going on and uh it's happening behind the scenes so of course he wants to be on the offensive to take down a sitting president which is uh something completely asinine because this escalates us into world war three um and um you know uh if he's de-escalating uh you know that's that's great but uh you know, I don't know uh, what's it's. I mean, what's really happening? Who really knows with this guy? Yeah, may, uh, somebody in the comment section, uh, James says maybe he was thinking about pudding, not Putin. <laughs> he was thinking about, no one's thinking. About, I'm, I'm not going to take down. So this he doesn't like pudding. Jill's pudding. Got it. And that that's by myself. Off. I'm not going to take that down by myself. Um, <laughs> he's going <gonna, laughs> to need he's going to need Jill's help to take it down. Is what he's saying. <laughs> Guys, uh, excuse, that's Dr. Jill. Thank you. That's Dr. Dr. Jill. Jill. Is she, what is her, is she a medical doctor? Is she one of these? Doctor of education. Doctor of education. Okay. Very Which is awesome. like having a doctorate in baseball, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or a doctorate in grooming is probably what she has. Oh, wow. That's yeah. True. No um, words. We, have, we have other members of the administration and or friends of the administration and or demon-crats who are now doing predictive programming bug and they're telling us what they're trying to engineer and they're signaling to it and and i for one believe them i mean when the enemy tells you what they're going to do one of the first things you yeah that ought to go through your mind is you know maybe they're telling the truth here's john Kerry. we're already seeing climate refugees around the world if you think migration has been a problem in europe from the syrian war or even from what we see now 
Wait till you see 100 million people for whom the entire food production capacity has collapsed. 100 million people, Bug. 100 million climate refugees. The food production has collapsed. Uh, well, we know that food production is getting harder and harder right now, especially with the shortages of fertilizer, which makes the food come out of the ground. Yeah, it's a it's a mess on top of a mess. The uh, the, the fertilizer shortage, um, not to mention with fertilizer, um, we've we've probably only got sixty to a hundred yields left in our depleted soil anyway, um, because we've just trashed it. Um, you add that to a whole bunch of people who are going to be hand to mouth because they're moving across countries where they have no real currency exchange and they have no, uh, skilled, you know, they have no, uh, uh tradable skills. Um, you're going to have a lot of hungry people. Yep. And the, the shame of it is you're going to have a lot of hungry people who were pretty rooted in those countries for a long time and were stable, but the sudden influx influx will, uh, put them at risk for, you know, um, being able to provide for their families as well. Uh, but it's, it's like, almost as if, I don't know. It's almost as if, again, this is like a, one organization and they, there's like a, a really good plan to get people to, to need them. It's like they, if they need something that they can't ha- have, oh, like food yes. and stuff, right, right, then they right, have right, to right. go to these same people and, and beg and then get bugs. I don't know. Something. And the title of this session. Are we ready for a new world order? That's what I would call the, that. The oh, new, is that what you call the it? The people I was thinking of? Yeah. That's what I was thinking about calling them. Well, I think that that's a Pretty good way to quote. describe them. I don't know uh, if they've been described as such before, but James, they tend to describe themselves as the new world order. You even had the soon-to-be octogenarian in chief uh, say that he wants to lead the new world order. Yeah, so this is what we've been talking about. I know I mentioned it several times. Uh, this is a fight, really, for which part of the world you want leading the new world order. Do you want the East leading leading it, or do you want the West leading it? And um, yeah. it's pr- it's pretty it's pretty safe to say that one one way or other or the other we're going to end up there. Uh, for how long? Who knows. You know, um, and how bad is it going to be? Well, you know, the the dollar plunging, um, losing its value has been an indication uh, for years that we're sitting on something that's going to explode. So we should have already been getting ready for, for this, for this uh, you know, thing that's going to hit pretty soon. Uh, and of course, it'll be masked with uh, this world war. And so it's very convenient that... Uh, uh, the world stage right now is in uh, is in flux, you know. So there's going to be a lot of upheaval coming, and, and it's unfortunate, you know. Innocent lives are going to be lost, uh, w- whether hunger or you know much much worse things. But mm-hmm. it's pretty safe to say that uh, you know we're in a we're in a place of uh, no return, unfortunately. Um, and um, we can only hope to come out on the uh, on the other side of this, you know, with with our you know with our head intact. Pretty much, Ryan. I want Ryan. I want to get to you, but something that James said once brings me over to Brother Martin. James framed it as East versus West. It seems like we're also seeing that playing out in the Russia-Ukraine thing. You've got 
a, a competition for supremacy of of the Eastern Orthodoxy. Um, you have the Russian Orthodox Church fully in support of what Putin is trying to do. You even have Vigano referring to uh, Moscow. to Moscow as the Third Rome. Um, I think that East versus West is a very very relevant topic, uh, not only from a temporal point of view from how James framed it, but also as we're witnessing it ecclesiastically. Yeah, definitely. There's there's definitely a spiritual dimension to this. And 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 what Vigano said was, was, a, was a huge misstep in the sense that the patriarchates were always declared patriarchates by the successor of St. Peter. And that's huge because the pope is the pope, papal primacy. But Moscow was declared a patriot, not by Rome, but by Constantinople after the schism. And so that's why a few weeks ago I referred to Moscow as a bastard in the sense that it was was after the schism and it was declared to its dignity without the proper authority. Mm -hmm. And so when you refer to Moscow as the third Rome, because Constantinople was supposedly the second Rome and Rome was the first Rome, it's it's it's. In one sense, diminishing the authority of the successor of Saint Peter, um, giving it legitimacy. Yeah, which which is a huge mm-hmm. no no. Mm-hmm. Um, also, mean, well, it, it would be. It's not quite as though I declare Kansas City as the fourth Rome. Exactly, but or, it's similar. Or, or as as uh, John Paul II did, he told Cardinal Dolan or Archbishop Dolan when he were whenever he was taking over Arch, uh, New York, he was saying, "You are the the Archbishop of the capital of the world." You know, in one sense, that would be similar to saying that you are the fourth Rome. Mm-hmm. Um, but John Paul II knew that he couldn't say that or anything, and so he just gave him, a, you know, a, a compliment more, more or less, um, and saying that you're you're an important archbishop here now. Uh, but that's what the Orthodox chose to do. But it's also significant in the fact that uh, Christianity wasn't born in in the Eastern empires in in, in Russia. In Moscow, it was born in Kiev which is also the huge battle between the Ukrainian Greek Catholic Church and the Patriarchate of Moscow because the, mm-hmm. the Patriarchate actually legitimately be, belongs in Kiev. That was the birthplace of Russia, and that's why the, 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 the archbishop there goes by the title of Major Archbishop, which is a, is a title that doesn't technically exist, but it's something that John Paul II gave to it um, because he wanted to build ecumenical re- relationships with Moscow. And so there's this huge spiritual battle between Kiev and Moscow, precisely because of the historical mentions of Russia. Um, there's the, the imperial Russian nationalism of wanting to, to reclaim Kiev, the, the mother city of Russia, as its own. Um, also, the fact that Putin has a lot of ties with, with communist China and has, has uh, made treaties with them as well. And is a really politically a, a, an Eastern New World Order versus a Western New World Order. Neither of them are Christian. Yeah. Um, because Putin kisses icons or whatever is the same as uh, Biden saying he prays a rosary every day, having pictures of him with the rosary, um, saying he goes to Christmas mass, all that kind of stuff. It's the same deal. Um, Kirill, of course, as I said a few weeks ago, was at the, I forget what it's called, the World Council of Churches that, uh, was actually held, uh, held by the Vatican on the day of the consecration, uh, supposedly of, uh, of Russia to Our, Our Lady, the, um, the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Yeah. Um, Kirill was one pushing liberation theology in Latin America. He was the one that helped create 
uh, the de- degenerate West. Mm-hmm. And so as, as a Marxist, he knows thesis, antithesis, synthesis. He created the thesis, the degenerate West. He himself has played, he placed himself as the antithesis in order to create the synthesis because this is what he believes in history. And so just because someone kisses icons um, or, or, or does a reverent liturgy doesn't make them uh, a true disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, Ryan, I think it's I think it's important to to point out that yes, John Paul was was uh, showering Dolan with all of these uh, praises, but Benedict elevated him the cardinal as a cardinal. Uh, so it's not you know the 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 missteps are span the pontificate the the the, the Vatican II pontificates. What's your take? What's your take now, looking back one week after, uh, you know, the 25th, the so-called consecration, uh, you know, Russia's not Catholic right now. Um, it's been a week, you know, like, I don't know how long are we supposed to wait? What's, what's the deal, Ryan? I don't know how long we're supposed to wait. Uh, I think I, last week and the week prior, um, I kind of gave my thing that I'm, I'm not, Studying on that question, I don't really go in much for it. I'm just praying for the triumph of the Immaculate Heart. Um, from what I've heard, and we had Matt Gaspers on the week, uh, the show prior last, where you know he talked about from you know, the sources what the the consecration should look like, and we certainly haven't seen any of that. And again, um, you know, the, the idea that I, I would actually go and put it this way: <clears throat> when it happens, we will know that it has happened. We'll have a discernible sign. We'll have a discernible effect. Or even if it does take a while, like you know, a few months, you would have you would imagine it would have to come like in within, you know, a few months or something. But when it happens, we will know that it happened. Just like with prophecy, you get a prophecy of something, and okay, I, you got the idea of a thing, but you don't know exactly what it's going to look like. Like listening to Isaiah in the Old Testament and in the various messianic prophecies scattered all throughout the Old Testament, you wouldn't be able to, to predict with absolute certainty. Okay, even even Isaiah 7.14, a virgin shall conceive him and, and conceive a son, and his name shall be Emmanuel. Well, all right, you know, I know that in, say, 200 BC, I'm holding my copy of uh, Isaiah, and I know this particular fact that the Messiah will be born of a virgin, but I don't know who exactly he is going to be. I don't know what he's going to be called. I don't know exactly where that's going to happen based on that prophecy. Now, yeah. Yeah. skip forward to, uh, I, I, with the dating, they always say it's actually 4 BC with it, with reconciling the date schemes, whatever. We go to the past the birth of Christ. Oh, look, he's born of a virgin. He, maybe he fulfills the prophecy. You're going to know that. And that's, of course, why they, the gospel writers include it. So now you see it. And then here is Jesus who did all these things. Now you know who that is they were talking about. So it'll be a similar thing with the triumph of the Immaculate Heart. But I'm, I don't know about you. I'm not seeing it. So I've got two things here. One is uh, the joint statement of the Russian and Chinese governments on, well, essentially implementing the uh, New World Order. And here we go. Is that coming through? Had to pull it up. But it's from the Russian government website. The joint statement of the Russian Federation and the People's Republic of China on the international <laughs> relations entering a new era in the global sustainable development, February 4th, 2002. 
So this is very recent. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, 2022. So they talk about the, um, you know, the sustainable development, globalization, all these kind of things that we constantly hear. Uh, you know, the world is going through momentous changes and humanity is entering a new era of rapid development and profound transformation. This is like, a you know, one of these World Economic Forum dispatches. It sees the development such pro- of such processes and phenomena as multipolarity, economic globalization, the advent of information society, cultural diversity, transformation, all manner of everything they're talking about. You more of the great Then... Uh, the, the sides note that is Russia and China that the Charter of the United Nations and the Universal Declaration of Human Rights set noble goals in the area of universal human rights, set forth fundamental rights which all the states must comply with, i.e. UN, by the way, and uh, LGBTQ and uh, the World Health Organization and COVID, fill in the blanks there. Um, you know, at the same time, as every nation has its own unique national features, history, culture, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the universal nature of human rights should be seen through the prism of the real situation in every particular country, and human rights should be protected in accordance with the specific situation, et cetera. And he goes on, human rights, again, another one of these economic World Economic Forum buzzwords, all the NGOs and everything. So this, and the fact is, you know, Putin is pushing the jab all throughout Russia. This is uh, Putin praising the uh, the Chinese for their handling of the первым столкнулся с этой угрозой с пандемией коронавирусной инфекцией и продемонстрировал затем всему миру что можно успешно с этим бороться я хочу вас поздравить уважаемые коллеги уважаемые господин председатель всех наших китайских друзей с тем как была выстроена работа по борьбе с пандемией результат действительно существенный Ясный, понятный, и хочу еще раз повторить, это хороший пример для других. Это совершенно очевидно. И очень важно в этой связи, вы сейчас тоже об этом сказали, что страны БРИКС не закрываются друг от друга при этой общей работе в борьбе с пандемией. Мы открываем не только свои научные заведения, свои границы для специалистов, но и открыты для продвижения вакцины, открыты для работы в сфере производства и обмена лекарственными препаратами по борьбе с пандемией. A lot of Europe has opened back up, but some of Europe remains closed. And a lot of Europe and now the Northeast and the United States are moving more towards seasonal lockdowns, seasonality with respect to these lockdowns. Here's a video from Ireland where they're discussing how, oh my goodness, we have 52 people in the ICU with COVID. We might need to lock down again. This is a highly transmissible disease. We can't ignore the advice around the virus, which is basically that it's extraordinarily hard to to stop this particular variant from transition. What would it cost you for the government Um, to say, you have to wear a mask now indoors. It's not a choice anymore. Like, What's the problem with doing that? I don't understand why it's an issue. 
Well, again, first of all, we are advising that people should wear masks. But that's and no people, good. It's, I don't agree with that. It's not good. Because there's only 60% of people, okay. as Dara O'Brien told me yesterday when he was on the dart, 60% of people wearing a mask, right? We've been told before by immunologists that masks are no good unless everybody's wearing them in an indoor setting. Well, first of all, I don't think public advice is no good. I think public advice is important. Public health advice, sorry, is important uh, and should never be dismissed. Um, the, the view is from public health, by the way, that this var- variant is so transmissible that it's almost impossible to stop transmission in relation to it. Um, masks or no masks. You know, they're saying they're masks saying don't it, work it, on this People variant. wear masks to take masks off and so on. It's, it's, and, and no, hopefully, hopefully, and it's a bit early yet, I acknowledge uh, that we're seeing uh, some positive signals in terms of, the, of, of this wave um, of this particular variant. There's a new variant, guys, that's coming out. And in some cases, Bug, they're saying, okay, look, it's so transmissible. This is what they're saying now. It's so transmissible that we're not even going to try to fight it. We can't lock down because it won't work because this particular one is so transmissible that a lockdown won't work and a mask won't stop it because this one is the real one now. I mean, are you you prepared for this new one? Well, um, I don't know that I would need to be prepared. I would just trust my government and... um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, you know, look, I think we all need to be prepared for whatever's whatever's coming. If you look back over the last, you know, say 75 to 100 years, we're the proverbial frog, right? Mm-hmm. And so you have you have these sort of remnant societies, these uh these little social outcroppings, um the 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 nut job groups who each step along the way have set up countercultural Societies. So, you know, I have a, a, a small trailer that I'm converting into a travel trailer. Mm-hmm. I'll also be able to u- utilize it as a utility trailer. So it's not going to waste when we're not traveling. But we're a no-fly family probably for the rest of our life. And I think I think we all just need to settle into whatever the whatever the new horror is. Are you and, on and- are you on the no-fly list because of your Twitter criminality <laughs> or are those things are those things separate um well no. i agree with that portland teacher um i also say gay i only use it in derogatory uh, uh terms but okay. um yeah. so I, I would probably end up on a no-fly list for that i suspect yeah i mean I, we're of a generation right guys where we grew up and we just said that to all our friends, like whenever they were. Oh, well, <laughs> it's like yeah. it, was, it was just the term we call our friends. Like, Dude, don't be gay. Like, I'm, come on. <laughs> I'm ashamed to say this, that for, you know, for 30 years, you know, I really fought the system kicking and screaming in my in my wild youth. Um, but at a certain point, like, you know, I got tired of losing jobs and stuff. <laughs> and so, like, I cut everything out of my my vocabulary. Yeah. I, I toted the line. I stayed quiet um, when I officially canceled myself reintroducing all of those glorious words that are so useful. Yeah. Um, terms of endearment. <laughs> real, just terms of reintroducing those to my vocabulary. Mm-hmm. It just felt phenomenal. It really <laughs> felt phenomenal. Liberating. It, it did. Hashtag I, locker room I, I probably used the, uh, the other F word uh, 200 times in two days. Oh, the three letter F word. Yeah. The small F word. Yeah. <laughs> little F. Little F. <laughs> not not the big F that I accidentally let fly earlier in this uh, stream. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, 
Actually, on that subject, though, that you're talking about, uh, like, you know, going back to the Fauci diapers, uh, who knows how long we'll be able to even say the word mask on here. Uh, there's there's another story that came out just recently that people have glommed onto, namely that uh, Hunter Biden's laptop is in the news. And YouTube's not going to shut us down for saying it because CNN's talking about it and ABC's talking about it and Fox News is talking about it. And all of a sudden, that's the thing. Everyone can start talking about Hunter Biden's laptop. And, and the various things are even discussing some of the, the material on there and how bad that could be. Uh, someone on CNN, of all places, floated that Hunter might even face criminal charges for it. Um, they started debunking the whole subject of biolabs. And that, well, what do you know? Uh, Victoria Newland uh, comes out and says, yeah, we have bio research facilities over in the Ukraine. And now that's that you're allowed to talk about it. But why is the, is the question? Why all of a sudden is that coming into the news? Uh, it, it's not, and that's one of the reasons I haven't really gone into that rabbit hole and started talking about that because they want us talking about that. They want that seeding the consciousness, and it, so that you know we're going to be have that in mind. Oh yeah, you know the the bio labs or Hunter Biden's laptop in Ukraine, and there's all these things going on because they're getting ready to reintroduce the uh, pandemic narrative, basically. And so, uh, two things. One funny one. If you remember that character in The Simpsons, <laughs> uh, you know, <clears throat> but you know it is. Whether it's the CIA specifically, uh, it doesn't really matter. But uh, they're they're prepping that narrative again, just as just, they do in front of all these things. things. For those who are listening, can you go back? Go go back to that. I just want to read it I'll for read those it. who are. Hi, I'm the CIA. Mode. You may remember me from such films as WMDs in Iraq. We don't know how this cocaine is getting here, and look, it's the Russians. <laughs> you know, Troy McClure from The Simpsons, if you remember that. Prophetic. It's 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 either prophetic or predictive programming. I don't know which one. It I, is. I, well, the CIA has writers in in Hollywood, and not because they plan everything and write everything out, but rather because they're there to seed the predictive programming narrative, and they, and they don't even know themselves. They're just given stuff to put in, and they put it in. They're not like full on agents that know the whole architecture of everything. They're writers, and the CIA pays them extra to to seed ideas into the consciousness and so how much how much did the cia pay you bug when you were a writer <laughs> oh, i'm controlled opposition <laughs> sure. um so i i had multiple meetings with the uh the head writer the creator of the simpsons um and it was after trump's election uh after trump was elected and I actually asked him about that because it was a big, it was big news for a, a brief moment, right? You know, oh, the Simpsons predicted this. It was a Simpsons moment. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I got to ask you, man, how did that happen? And dude, he's a, I mean, he's a pretty straightforward, you know, easygoing guy, wears jeans and a black t-shirt all the time. Um, and uh, he was like, you know, man, he goes, we got a bunch of those. We hear it all the time. Like you predict the future. He goes, we're just sitting around literally like what's the stupidest craziest stuff that could possibly happen <laughs> he goes I, I guess that just says something about where our society's headed oh, man. Oh, right man. then there's this one from offguardian.com uh kit knightley writes this one you know hunter's laptop and newland's biolab a propaganda trap and i'll skip to the pull quote from here i, I do highly recommend this offguardian.com or dot org sorry offguardian.org so reinventing or reissuing the story as being about a pathogen from a terrifying Ukrainian biolab might be a good way to sift through that growing awakening, no? 
Another possible reason, of course, is future horror stories of mutant pathogens being released by accident or by Russians slash Ukrainians. You'll be able to pick a side in that delicious binary debate uh, and debate it forever in the ensuing lockdown coal, which will, of course, be global and require a ton of even tighter legislation. So I think, you know, as they're going to pivot back entirely to the uh, COOF narrative, to the unspecified virus of unspecified origin, and to the Fauci diapers. And once again, as we just saw in the news, uh, Pfizer's getting their fourth, their fifth booster, I lost count, uh, approved in another emergency use authorization. I think that a lot of people who watch the rundown, James, and who li- or who listen to it, are aware of this idea of whatever the news media, the corporate media is telling you, there's a reason why they're telling it to you and, and in that particular moment. And um, so, for example, you know, if you want to censor an idea, you'll never hear it. It will just be ignored. But if they really want you to know something, they will attack the idea. They will, they will, you know, YouTube will ban it for for a little while. Uh, it will be labeled as a conspiracy theory, so that other people can pick it up and it can propagate. YouTube will ban one copy of it, but then other people can put up the same copy of the same thing. And although YouTube has the power and the and the analytics and the capabilities, the algorithms to ban all versions of the same video they'll only ban the one and then everyone else will upload it and say look at this video or this idea or this argument that got banned from youtube and it will magnify it james and it will and and, and it will send it uh, uh it will reverberate through all of these so-called you know alternative media and that is one of the ways that they get us talking about the thing that we're supposed to believe that they don't want us to be talking about such as Hunter Biden's laptop, such as, uh, you know, Bill Gates saying that, uh, you know, Ebola is coming or, or smallpox is coming. Um, I, I don't think now that it is so far fetched to literally look at what they're saying and in particular what they're attacking and what they're supposedly banning as, as specifically what they want us to focus on in lieu of the real thing, the real story that's happening underneath the surface. Right. So some people are alluding to several things uh, this go around the second iteration of uh, Hunter Biden's laptop emerging in the media. So some people are alluding to the fact that the only reason why this is coming back is possibly to create a scenario where they can, uh, where the uh, Democratic apparatchik can isolate Biden and then push him out completely. When I talk about Biden, I mean the current sitting president. Um, so that's something too that could be plausible, but it's it's a you know it's not as neat and tidy as as they might want it to be, and so I don't think that's exactly what's happening. The reason I think. Uh, and I posted about this on Twitter. The reason I think why this is making a second go around is so that uh, they can create a scenario where uh, they can actually bring Hunter Biden in from the cold in a sense that they're going to put him into the cold. You know, uh, they're going to isolate him 
much like they did to um, uh, what's her name, uh, uh, Ghislaine, uh, Ghislaine uh, Maxwell, Maxwell or yeah. Maxwell or uh, what was the gentleman's name? I'm sorry. Uh, oh, the, uh, guy who, the guy who didn't kill himself. Thank you, Epstein. Yeah, the guy who didn't commit suicide. So in those two particular cases, uh, information was was gathered. They used it as an inform information collecting opportunity to collect all the discovery material that was out there. And then what happened? Poof, gone, locked down forever. The judges said, you can't see this information. Uh, we're not giving you access. So this could be another uh, situation where such uh, a trial is held and uh, all the attorneys go out there and the CIA you know, basically gets all that information. They find, finally find the missing laptop, right? They find a missing laptop and then they put it you know, uh, in a safe and you can never see it anymore because now the judge has locked it down and that's it. Mm -hmm. So this could be a scenario where one of those two things can happen. What exactly going on behind the scenes? I have no idea. You know, I can only speculate on those two things I've given you, which is what I've been thinking about. So, you know, well, um, I think, well, I think yeah. you've already in this show, James, have alluded to yeah. the real story that's happening behind the scenes. And uh, this will maybe be the last subject that we do before we sort of uh, transition into unpopular opinions and, and the grifter segment. But I think that the real story that you alluded to is the incredible downward pressure on the United States fiat currency. And what we're seeing with the, the slow and steady replacement and erosion of the petrodollar, which is what allows us to spend like drunken sailors on on credit uh russia and china banding together russia now accepting petro payments in rubles china now saying uh you know that they're moving towards a digital currency and when we see when we finally have the day of reckoning they don't want us thinking about this they don't want us thinking about the day that our fake monopoly money totally collapses because if we start thinking about that day then we start making decisions like what bug has made in his life, for example, of, of divesting ourselves from currency in general. Um, so I think that's the, I think that's the real story that they don't want us talking about. And so they feed us this, this red meat, you know, to the, to the, to the boomer uh, GOP class. Right. Of, uh, you know, right. Oh, oh yeah. I knew, I knew Hunter was corrupt and I knew <laughs> Biden was corrupt. Right? right. But, but who cares if they're all corrupt? Right. And, and you're, you're exactly right. And the one reason why I didn't list, list this is number three is because it only works for one group of people and not for everybody. So it works for you're absolutely right. It works for the groomers, uh, <laughs> the groomers. It works for the boomers uh, uh, and uh, gets them in a place of thinking about other things besides what's going on in the world. You know, and uh, I would I would that such news would uh, be something that we're all talking about. Uh, but then again, that that puts it in a position of not seeing what's behind, you know, what's, what's behind the hand, you know? Um, mm. So we're, we're basically uh, in lockstep now, at least the, uh, the boomers are in lockstep with the media and, and uh, they're salivating on the red meat that's been thrown, thrown at them. But you're right. You know, there's impending doom uh, looming and uh, it, we would do right to sort of get our affairs in order. Uh, you know, this uh, fiat currency that we've been, uh, using for a while has uh, basically played his last card. Uh, at least, you know, uh, 
you, you know, we know we, we know that you know the, the war is only going to be used as a, you know as a distraction itself, basically, yeah. to, to 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 shield what's really happened to to that dollar. And then this- we can blame we can we can put blame on uh, Putin and uh, and uh, Ukraine and uh, the escalation that comes from that. Yeah, this sleight of hand, Ryan, this misdirection. Everybody does it. Even the Vatican does it. I mean, last mm-hmm. year when it became huge news, it was like huge international news that Francis was in a documentary and he made some pro-gay things line in a documentary. And that line from the documentary got leaked. That documentary was in post-production for months. The editors had that line for months. They could have leaked it or released it whenever they wanted, but it just so happened, Ryan, that they leaked that line out and it made international news in the same exact day mm-hmm. that Pope Francis was renewing the China deal, which mm-hmm. was suppressing Catholics in China. So this misdirection, this, hey, look over here, look at what look at what I'm doing here. Meanwhile, I'm doing the, the actual devious thing and uh, and almost no one is paying attention to it. Everybody the, does it. Every yeah. government does it. And the Vatican do. does it. Look at the news cycle on, on Monday. What do we see? Everyone and their their dogs, brothers, uncles, cousins, former roommate is talking about what uh, the the Will Smith uh, slap. They're talking about that sort of thing. And, and of course, the first time the Oscars has been relevant in who knows how many years. And actually, it's still not really relevant. But now it's it, everyone's talking about. Everyone's ignoring uh, you know the global you know forums, uh, world forums of global economics, talking about new world orders and this sort of thing. Uh, and the same thing in the church too. It's look over here. Well, we're doing this over here. And there was a, I, I remember way back in 2002, uh, during the canonization of Padre, I think maybe I have the date wrong on this, but I'm pretty certain I was there during this event. Um, the consecration of Padre Pio was going on. So everyone's over at St. Peter's. Meanwhile, who's ever been to the Trevi Fountain? Who knows what the church is? behind the Trevi Fountain. There's actually a church behind the Trevi Fountain and it had, you know, a number of uh, relics. And so that church was being given to the Greek Orthodox for their use, right? So something that was a church that once had the Catholic liturgy giving glory to God in it is now being given over to those who are not in in the church, not in communion with the church. So as an ecumenical gesture. And it was horribly unpopular, even in Rome itself, when it was talked about. So they waited. And then while the canonization of Padre Pio is going on, all of Italy is sitting in, in St. Peter's Square. That's when they give this church to the Orthodox. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they do it all even more recently. You think of things like uh, Pope Francis will give, give some statement and uh, to, to Scalfari, for example, uh, that uh, – is horribly scandalous or erroneous or savoring of heresy or something else just in and of itself what the proposition is um and then the vatican gives some weak denial oh no no that doesn't accurately represent what the pope said well, what did he say and while you're worrying about that you're finding out that there's this whole big property deal going on in london and you're right. uh, paying attention to that all of a sudden because everyone's worked <laughs> up about what the pope said in this particular thing to an agnostic or atheist journalist also no, we were, we were all watching it. Rocket Man, and we didn't know that, that the Vatican was invested in it. So. <laughs> yeah, that too. There's, and, of course, what's the big one? They drop their news. A lot of the big news they drop on Friday when everyone's heading out for their weekend plans, and a lot of people don't, except for the news junkies, 
they don't pay attention to the news. And so we, we, yeah. and there's a bunch yeah. of news that nobody's paying attention to. If you'll allow me once more to hijack the screen, uh, I've got two things, just to, not, not videos. Um, yes, allow. Thank you. Allow again. Okay. And uh, Mike used to be a Wall Street guy. You know what this means. Russian ruble likes what it hears from Joe Biden. Gains a full percent against the dollar during his speech, outlining more sanctions on Russia's government debt. Two second-tier banks and elites. So the ruble is gaining against the dollar. The other thing, too, is that uh, oil is being sold in rubles right now to get around the petrodollar scheme. That's right. And and Russia is taking payments for natural gas in rubles. You know, anyone. The last yeah. uh, two major oil producers that did that was uh, Gaddafi and uh, Hussein. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, then, and uh, uh, they, they uh, yeah, and they got out of this whole thing alive, right? Those two presidents? Yeah, everything turned <laughs> out fine. <laughs> yeah. They get invaded, yeah. they get bombed. Or <laughs> but they also didn't have nukes. So we're at the point gentlemen where the the status quo whites let's say and i include in that tucker carlson will will vigorously defend the status quo when just two two three weeks ago we played the video and i i still can't get over it and i can't emphasize it enough where tucker is defending the petrodollar and saying that the one of the top three things we need to worry about with russia ukraine is that we may not have the global hegemony uh, in financial matters anymore, and that will destroy our way of life. I mean, if you if you didn't need any more evidence that Tucker is not with us, I mean, than that, I mean, that right there, it 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 blows your mind to 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 see the the one man in in major media who supposedly is awake to what's happening defending the idea that we have monopoly money, uh, fractional reserve lending, fiat currency, uh, uh, you know, corporate entities that are just ballooning in size, and, and that we have to keep that charade going as long as possible. Otherwise, we may not be able to live our entire lives on credit anymore. And that is, the, that is one of the top three risks in his mind between this you know, this, this uh, competition between Kiev and Moscow for supremacy of the region. I mean, it, like, I, I, I cannot overstate how insane it is. Or he's controlled opposition, and the reality is they want the petrodollar to collapse. Why? Because that would be the perfect impetus to move to a digital currency. Precisely. Because that's, that's a hard yeah. sell. I mean, digital currency, even... You know, even with everything going the way it's going, that's a really hard sell. They need that to happen. That's going to happen. But if happen. you're at Weimar 2.0 and wagon loads of cash won't get you a, a soda pop or yeah. pay your Pornhub bill or whatever it is for most people, yep. God forbid. Well, we're rejiggering right, the whole system, yeah. guys. It was just right. like when we got off the gold standard to stabilize things. This is the new version of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We need to restabilize things. Yeah. Here's right. the solution. Here's the, the Fed coin or whatever, right. and it'll it's, be like on a what, blockchain. So they'll plan what people, what little people know about blockchain. And oh yeah, like Bitcoin, that means it's safe. But yeah. the government's going to make it safer. 
Yeah, and uh, when, right. you, when you're guilty of wrong think, uh, they're going to turn right. it off. That's exactly what I was going to say. That's exactly what I was going to interrupt you guys to, to say. Well, you know, like Bug was saying, he actually, you're absolutely right. They're going to lead us to this position. And we're going to want, when, when the dollar collapses, we're going to want this so badly. And then they'll already have everything set up. And then, you know, which is why the, the 2020 was a social experiment also. You know, how can we gather information about people and quickly turn this into a way for us to gather the information we need in order to set up for this new social credit scoring? You know, so that once you're guilty of any sort of groupthink, you're completely done. Now, we saw this video or maybe a picture. I don't know how real it was of a, uh, a POS system basically saying, sorry, uh, we can't accept your card. You posted something that you shouldn't have posted. Please, please delete it. And then your 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 credit will be restored or something like that. This is exactly what we're looking at into the future. Now, people may not want to believe this is coming, but it's it's already here. Yeah. Yeah. It's already, it's already here. Um, let's, let's transition into our unpopular opinions. I do want to answer one question though. Do we have comments on Vatican Catholic publicly dissing Dr. Stein returns tradition? We stand firmly with Dr. Stein. Anthony Stein returns tradition is a friend of the rundown. He's a friend of RTF. He's a friend of all of us individually and the diamond brothers are insane. Uh, okay. So let's get to, (laughs) we need to, we need to, do our unpopular opinions. I think time for that. Unpopular Wait, opinions. We also have last week's uh, poll. Oh, which, Brian. Uh, <laughs> you are all too happy to show the poll. Look at you. I am. Well, since I've been on this winning streak, I was debating whether I should show it or not because we're missing two of you. And uh, we had you know fewer votes than we typically have. So I was just like, uh, maybe not. But then again, I had the opinion that beats all opinions every single time. Pineapple uh, pizza is legit. Man, that is such a weak way to win because pineapple pizza is disgusting. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's literally unpopular. That's the one time I think truly is unpopular. That the voters truly voted for the most unpopular thing. Well, here's the thing: is it's like it's not even true. It's like it's not true. It's just it's fake. It's fake news. Fake news. It's fake news. Ryan, if you pull one of these dirty tricks this week, I'm I'm. If you if if Dominion is counting these votes for you, I don't know. (laughs) Bribing Uh, brother Chewy. (laughs) All right, unpopular opinion from Ryan Grant this week. Okay, so my unpopular opinion uh, this week. Um had it and now i don't can you come back to me <laughs> i'm sorry all right we'll skip you we'll go to brother that's fine or right, we'll go to we'll go to james you already said brother brother's first you know let him go for it nobody prepared an unpopular opinion <laughs> the, only, the only person that prepared is ryan <laughs> i know okay, right well, you know, ryan thinks about it all week okay, my, <laughs> okay. yeah because I, I hardly ever think about these but but uh my unpopular opinion would be that uh uh you know, everyone talks a hard game. Everyone talks a big game. They talk a hard game. But when it comes down to what's coming in the future, we're all going to be, not me personally, uh, a lot of us are going to be resigned to sort of being in lockstep. So we talk about a digital currency. Um, and uh, right now, a lot of people don't even know what that means. So my unpopular opinion is that um, in basically it, in in a couple of years, we're all going to be happy to 
to basically, you know, be digitized. We're going to be running in lockstep with uh, the the big banks and the uh, central banks, and we're going to say, "Give me my digital currency." You know, I want it now. Ouch. Yeah, yeah. you might be right about that. Give me what happened? What happened? What about the give me liberty give, or give me death people? Yeah, give us us free. Where are those people? Give us I us got free. Cows. Give us us free. I got, I got cows <laughs> in a farm, so I can shout give me liberty or give me you death all that. day. Right, right. So, Jim, can you summarize that real quick? I'm also scrambling, yeah. but I'm also getting them down so we re, uh, regurgitate them correctly on the poll. So people are going to say, give me my digital currency now. Oh man, I don't. I don't even have a digital wallet. I don't even own one. I think I used to, and then I got locked out. And probably it's worth some money, but I'll never get it. <laughs> I was wondering. Well, that's the thing, right? So when when this thing comes, all of us are going to be like, oh, you know, oh well, bye bye dollar. You know, let's hug that digital currency. People are just going to go for it because right now we're what if talking they just have game, rolling you know, blackouts though? What if the what yeah, if the five G well, network goes down? Then you can't transact. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's the thing, right? It, it's you're going to go for what they're selling to you at that moment yeah. because you think you need it. I mean, that's why. That's exactly why I've been moving towards what I call a non-transactional lifestyle. Right. right. You know, from yeah, because the the people that are there, the people that have already uh, uh, acclimatized to that. Mm-hmm. We'll simply yeah. shrug their shoulders when they say we're yeah. going to turn your digital wallet off and say, right. "Okay, <laughs> yeah, yep. that's true." What about property taxes, though? <laughs> well, you know, I've got a large stockpile of ammunition. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm that's uh, ultimately we, 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 the, the corner that we all get backed up to. You know, it's like <laughs> property taxes. Okay, brother. <laughs> okay, brother. <laughs> <laughs> property taxes are communism. Yeah, because you never there truly you own. It's 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 a way of depriving man from truly owning his own property. You're, so you're just we, renting really from serfs? the government. Yeah. So are we really serfs and we just don't realize it? No, we're worse than the serfs. Serfs could not yep. be kicked off their land. Serfs oh, could wow, not be go. kicked out of their yeah. home. It That's was true. it was true. absolutely true. forbidden true. in every uh, every corner of of Christendom uh, through yeah. through most of its history. We're That's we're true. much worse off than them, um, but right. to answer your question about uh, what are you going to do about property taxes? Come on, you know they're they're going to let you pay them. I mean, even if you don't have a digital currency, <laughs> yeah, that, they want it. They want it somehow. Always works one yeah. way. That's right. Yeah, it always does. Need, yeah. If you need to pay your taxes, we'll accommodate. Yeah, they'll accept. Yeah. They'll accept right. greenbacks. That's why they, they accept, might even accept. accept uh, <laughs> you're right. Hey, bug, you're absolutely right. Which is why they accept pay you pay taxes in in what. That little copper, fake copper coin. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. things. Yeah, yep. you know. Yeah, oh one boy. cent. All right. Uh, we have one unpopular opinion in the books. Ryan Grant, you're next. Okay. So every once in a while, you'll be on the internet. You'll be either on Twitter, Fedbook, or wherever. And someone will say, What a bunch of LARPers. LARP? Really? What's going on here? And because somebody, for example, one of the biggest things that people love to attack is people who smoke pipes or cigars. What's the thing with tobacco and wearing tweed suits? All these bunch of LARPers. So my unpopular opinion is that uh, people throw around the term LARPer out of envy for people who can actually accomplish 
cool yeah. and interesting things. So you look at like uh, ska, although a lot of them tend to be, you know, socialist leaning. I've known several of them over the years, but you know, not all are. But uh, the, the whole notion of LARPing live action role playing is you, you find something that's interesting. You work your day job and then you go home and then you start building stuff and you create chain mail and it, it's cheaper than therapy anyway. Um, you know, you create suits of armor. You learn how people did things in the old days, like a hobby, essentially. And then you go put it to use. You test it out in the case of like Society of Creative React reenactment or LARPers with knights and weapons. They'll go out and they'll test their armor and, and things of that sort. And then they'll go back and go back to the normal jobs and normal life. They don't walk to the store in their suits of armor or anything like that, typically. So the, um, you know, so that, but there are certain people that seem envious of those who actually accomplish things. And so they throw around that term LARPer against anybody that happens to be, you know, doing something because the idea is all oh, these people have this fantastic notion about it and they're trying to live like that and they have no idea what it really is. And I would argue that uh, the people throwing that term around to basically attack anyone are about the most unimaginative and least accomplished people uh, around. Yep. I, I agree with that. And by the way, by the way, just on this subject, I was thinking about LARPing the other day. And it's so often thrown out, uh, brother. Like, uh, like, oh, you're just you're just a larper. I called larper the other day. But, but, there, there. I, I don't, I don't. I'm not super up to date on these like Twitter terms and these and these you know these these Zoomer terms. But there seems to be like a temporary component to the idea of larping. Like, mm-hmm. you only do it sometimes. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's a fad, uh, you know, you do it parts of the day or whatever, like you play dress up, you're, you know, it's like a costume, it's a costume, right. But if you actually just live your life that way, like, is it still LARPing or is it just called living? Right. You know, like, well, I got called LARPing the other day by a a former podcaster slash uh, what do you call him? The oh, a articles. former McBlogger. A former McBlogger. He called me a LARPer Augustinian. Yeah. And early before that, he was complaining that it was a mortal sin to not eat meat on Friday. And it's like, the church shouldn't never command this. Like, I want to eat my meat on Friday, guys. I want to eat my meat on Fridays. And he was really complaining about giving up meat on Fridays. And he called, called me a LARPer Augustinian. That in order to live my life the way I lived, I had to give up a, 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 a professional career as a mu- musician in Nashville. I had to break up with my girlfriend, and I had to enter religious life. Like I did that ten years ago, and I've been consistent in that. Like ten years, as you yeah, said, it's, it's, it's still temporary. It's a LARP, it, exactly. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like it's, it's a, you're just wanting to just throw out this term. We, we all know that brother is is going home at night and just shredding on the guitar. <laughs> That's what he's doing. <laughs> That's what you're he's make, doing. making my living playing the guitar. Guitar hero. <laughs> you've wait, so you've chosen a life of poverty and chastity just to own the libs. And you know, and he can't give up meat. <laughs> and he can't give up meat on, right. fr- on not, not, not just meat, meat on Friday. So like six yeah. days out of the week he can get out of meat, but just that one day. That one day is such an inconvenience. That one day. I've been called LARPer for smoking pipes and cigars. It's like, look, I've been doing this for 20 years <laughs> or more. Uh, pipes anyway for over 20 years now i've been smoking a pipe uh probably most days of the week except for lent when i cut it back it's like um it's not a larp it's what i do actually and i love it so i'm sorry that you're not cultured enough to really have 
to, to learn to distinguish and, and find a good cigar, but that's not my problem. Not my problem if you're uncultured. Yeah. Uh, you're on a roll, brother. I feel like <laughs> you need to weigh in here on your unpop. My unpop, of course, is going to have something regarding our Catholic faith. Uh, Lent, uh, Passion Tide is, is fast approaching. Last Sunday was Gaudete, or Latare Sunday, um, Rose Vestments. Um, my unpopular opinion is that Lent shouldn't be too much as a, of a surprise. Holy Week shouldn't be too much of a surprise to us Catholics because the reality is our life on earth is supposed to be pure penance and trying to get to heaven. Um, I think that the majority of Catholics look at Lent as a mere season of one or a collection of weeks, six weeks um, of doing penance. And then afterwards they can relax and do whatever they want for the rest of the year until Ash Wednesday again. Um, but the reality is when Ash Wednesday approaches, we should also, we should all be asking ourselves, what more can I, can I give to give up? What more do I have to give up and, and really find her to struggle um, in our lives to, to find something that we can offer t- to our Lord as a sacrifice and detaching ourselves from um, so that we can get to heaven. Because uh, I think on our, on our judgment day, when we're face to face before almighty God, we're not going to, uh, say, oh man, I wish I had watched more TV, or man, I wish I had taken an extra vacation, or man, I wish I had had that, had that nicer car, or man, oh man, I wish I had that nicer house, all that kind of stuff. Um, I think we'll face to face before our Lord, we'll be asking ourselves, man, I wish I could have uh, given more to our Lord because this is real now, this is real heaven. Um, here I am before the gates, and and I wasn't prepared. Um, Lent should be a, a reawakening for us. As, a port, as opposed to just a mere season um, of penance. It should be really uh, something that awakens us up to what our life should really be more like as opposed to um, just kind of a, a practice season before we get into just our, our normal daily mundane activities. I don't think you're going to win. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> I don't think, I, I mean, that was a good, that was a noble effort though. <laughs> I don't know if we can dethrone Ryan, but yeah. can you take Ryan down on your unpop? Oh, so <laughs> I, I just want to say last time, I didn't know what the unpopular opinion was. So last time I was caught off guard <laughs> and I rambled uh, for quite a while. And yeah. then it got, it got jotted down um, in a way that, that uh, didn't represent what I was saying. So I want to, I want to. Well, yeah. So Ryan actually, skewed it so he could win. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's what I think. That's it. That's so it. I, he failed to brief you. Learning from better shoot to one. I prepped one this time. I thought about it oh, uh, just literally a couple minutes before the show started. Retirement plans, saving money for retirement is uncatholic. Oh, wow. Ooh. That's it. Okay. Can you go further? Yeah. Can you tell us why? Yeah. The reason is, is that uh, all Catholics for all time understood that your job was to uh, have as many children as possible, to raise them in the faith, to sacrifice for them. Um, and then to burden them with yourself. Um, and I think it's, a, I, I think it's the most beautiful concept uh, uh, in, in the natural order, which is that we, if you're a virtuous man, you, you really embrace with a great affection the idea of, of providing for these people that need you, right? And, and, yeah. and giving everything you have to them. And none of us can enter heaven with even the slightest uh, 
pride left in us, right? And the final pride that's that's stripped of us, it comes through the natural order of having to entrust ourselves to the people who looked at us like, uh, you know, uh, not to be blasphemous, but almost like small gods in a way, right? Like kings, like monarchs. We mm. were pillars to them. And now we are falling apart and we have to humble ourselves. We have to lower ourselves to the dirt and be cared for by the very people that we out of pride really wouldn't want to, to be seeing us that way. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that's an insanely beautiful concept. And I think retirement plans com- have completely demolished the dignity of, uh, of families, um, the dignity of, of the elderly um, growing old the right way, the dignity of young people seeing their parents care for their for their parents, right? The, the, the children's grandparents. That whole natural order has completely broken down because we've accepted the Protestant transactional concept of retirement plans, saving for retirement, getting out of the workforce early, and lazing about uh, and and dying in a in a comfortable retirement home with a, yeah. a heated pool. Yeah. Now, there's something to be said for multi-generational homes, homes in which the the youth can benefit from the wisdom of the of the old. And when you remove yourself from your family voluntarily and or culturally, when you're removed from the family, uh, because that's what everybody does, they just stick the old people in homes and let you know Cuomo uh, genocide them. Um, it's it's a huge it's I mean it's a, it's a loss of part of the patrimony of the civilization. You lose so much wisdom that way. And uh, to your point, when your kids have to wipe your derriere, that's pretty humbling. I think a lot of people, because of our retirement society, I think a lot of people missed their their chance for final purgation here on earth. I think I think God designed it that way. It seems so perfectly designed to be a final purgation of humility. James, they're taking all the old folks out of society. They're cut, they're lopping off the intellectual heads of our families. Yeah, you know what, uh, Bug? You said something really, really scandalous. You're telling me this country is not a crypto Catholic country? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, I have Shame. tried with that one, Shame. but um, oh boy. <laughs> Freemasons and uh, and Protestants. Right. Wait, are right. Freemasons yeah. and heretics? James, are you plagiarizing an idea right now? <laughs> Mike, don't. <laughs> I just, I'm just wondering if you wrote that line yourself, or if you, or if your wife wrote it and you're passing it off as your own. No, no, Mike, it's actually not plagiarism. Oh, it's because it's unpublished. It's infringement of copyright. Oh. Okay. Proper terms here. Proper terms. Got it. <laughs> Words mean things. Um, all that's right. Why not, that's why you're not a lawyer. Ryan, Ryan needs to. Ryan has something very, very important to say. That is correct. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, I, uh, two things. So, one, the uh, Mediatrics Press Book Club this month is uh, St. John Capistrano, or I, I, we just used the anglicized title of the original St. John Capistrano, a reformer in battle. I grabbed these nice medieval scenes, such as him saying mass. Uh, huh, funny, it doesn't look like mass today. Why not? Because he's saying a real mass. Um, and then uh, other such great scenes. 
But what's even better is the content of the book, which goes over St. John Capistrano's life uh, in Naples, Renaissance Italy, during the height of the Great Schism is when he comes to life. He's great at the court, uh, similar to certain other saints that lived uh, lived kind of high on the hog. He was a lawyer. He had gone to uh, best universities you know, in Perugia and places like that. He was a very cultured and educated man. And then uh, during one of his travels, he got seized and was put in prison by you know, one of the rival claimants for the throne in Naples. And so while he was in prison, he had a vision of St. Francis and you know, calling upon him to enter the order. And he's like, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. And so he's, he's shaking. He's like, at first he's moving. He's like, oh, I'm not so sure about that. And then God stiffens his resolve. Said, no, no, you're going to do that, buddy. You're going to be a Franciscan. You're going to be an awesome one. And more or less. Uh, the book tells it far more eloquently and uh, uh, dramatically. And so he does, and he enters the observance, who were the reform branch of the Franciscans at that time. And he goes from there, become a major figure in the order, one of the best known preachers in Italy, a very good friend of St. Bernadette of Siena. Um, and in his travels take him all across Europe. He works very closely with the better end of the Renaissance popes, Martin V, Eugene IV, Nicholas V, and Calixtus III. Uh, although he was the first Borgia pope, he was a super awesome pope. Uh, compared to his nephew, who wasn't quite, uh, uh, he was good at parties, his nephew. Uh, Calistus III, on the other hand, sold the papal plate, made everyone fast and, and eat on uh, uh, just, just wooden you know, utensils so that he could afford to uh, get you know, fleets built up to fight the Turks. So he was, he was super cool. Uh, and Capistran was right there. And then towards the end of his life, he uh, organizes uh, all these different generals in Hungary and places like that and fights the Turks in Serbia leading the head of a crusade and he's with the banner of the holy name and uh and nothing else so he and saint bernadette of siena popularized the devotion of the holy name so again um you know so this is in our book club this month and it's also available otherwise if you don't want to you know, join but i'm going to be doing a podcast it's just finally written up and i've almost got the powerpoint done for it so you'll get a nice video form to help you go along with the book uh the <laughs> thing i've got do, 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 question on the PowerPoint and the, and the yes. podcast. Do you have to be a book club member to get access to that? You do for now. Eventually, once I get enough built up, as I've slacked on that, as I've just been so busy, haven't been able to get everything up. And so I'm finally getting all those ducks in a row just to start dropping tons of those to make up for the ones I've missed uh, recently. So everyone will be getting those videos and those, uh, those audio talks and whatnot. And eventually I will release those out. Um, on YouTube, and I'll, I'll you know let you know about that and share them here. Uh, so the next thing I've got is a new release, um, Mystical Theology, The Layman's Guide. This will be in two volumes. It's from the uh, French Benedictine uh, Dom Stevinien Louis-Mé, who is, um, I think he ended up living in a monastery in Ireland because all the imprimaturs are from there, from Buckfast. Um, but he wrote a lot of great, great treatises, some smaller, some larger, on mystical theology, and he ended up eventually publishing those in seven volumes. So the first volume has four of them. That's outlined here in the description. And so I don't have these yet. I was hoping so much to have them today, but uh, they they got delayed, unfortunately, so they won't be here till Monday. Uh, but if you do order it, I, there's, that's, I don't put these orders up, you know, unless I know the books are coming in relatively soon because I hate pre-orders that are dangling there. And then I spent the money. They don't show up. People get mad and I got to refund them. But I don't like doing that. So if I know it's coming soon, then I put it up. So hopefully, so next week I will have my copies of this paperback and hardcover 
So uh, if you're interested, it's a really great treatise. And then volume two is even more solid, uh, easy to read for, for laymen. That's why I, I added the subtitle, A Layman's Guide. That's what I got. All right. James, what are you using this month, this week? Very good question. Um, this is a good a book for uh, all seasons, basically. Um, we're getting now to a period of Lent where I like to sort of sit and uh, do some meditation. This is called The uh, Way of Salvation and Perfection by Alfonso de la Gloria. Um, you can pick this up uh, anywhere online. Pick it, just uh, type it in. And uh, I don't know if Ryan carries uh, this one at Mediatrix Press, but this book is uh, filled with uh, many inspirational writings and meditations uh, from our beloved saint, who is the moral theologian of the church. So pretty much, so uh, in my opinion, so rigid. in my opinion, uh, such such a writer as he is, uh, he gives a lot of clarity to a lot of moral dilemma in our time, which we are perhaps not equipped to uh, to sort of waft through. Uh, he provide, provides a lot of clarity in his writing. Very, very, it's very simple, but very, very clear. Uh, I mean, such writings in here, uh, you'll see chapters on uh, hell, heaven, uh, chastisements. Uh, for instance, one is, one talk in here is, is uh, labeled uh, the merciful chastisements of God. Another is called the patience of God with sinners. And another, our favorite one is uh, the limit to which God uh you know ceases to <laughs> to to give uh to forgive uh those who are constantly mocking his forgiveness and his his mercy so uh you can pick up uh pick up this book online and uh you would not be sorry this is called the way of salvation uh by Alph alfonso Zilligori. great book james are, are, as a result of your book review now are you at all worried about receiving a cease and desist letter from anybody I mean, this is a rigid book. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, you know, that's I should take that under consideration because uh, that's that's something I, I should now be be absolutely worried about. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the new hotness. Uh, cease and desist, uh, brother Martin. It is time. It's my favorite time of the week because it's time for you to. Okay, well, www.obeysinagustin.com. As you know, we're founding a, a new monastic community that's that's holding true to the traditional Catholic faith, the traditional Catholic religion, all of its practices, its liturgy, um, and the Augustinian charism in particular. Um, and as you, as you also know, we're we're taking care care of a retired priest. Um, this week, we just dropped a whole lot of money on a, a new electric scooter to get him around because he can't breathe. So he has to have an electric scooter to, to get around. I thought that was for you. <laughs> well, I tried it out. I'll be honest. <laughs> there were some sightings of you. There were some sightings of you testing to, it out. I had to make sure it worked before this old man got on the That on was the an extensive <laughs> test drive, though. You don't have to drop it into second gear and rev the engine on the thing, do you? You drive it like you hate it. Hey, it's going to work when he tries it. So we, I know that for sure. <laughs> Um, but yes, I mean, we're, we're doing a lot of, uh, I mean, our apostle obviously online with, with RTF as well and, uh, taking care of a retired priest. Uh, so very much, I've never made a hard ask on every, anybody. I simply rely on every, every, anybody's, uh, uh, goodwill and their donations. Um, anybody who's hearing this, to to donate to the Oblates of St. Augustine for, for our work. So www.oblatesofstaugustine.com slash giving slash giving. We'll take it right to the site. There you go. Thank you, Mrs. C for putting that in the chat. 
Bug, you're the least grifty person that I know. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Th- you're not gonna. You're not gonna grift anything. So the only thing I can do is play the Will Smith slap. Bug, <laughs> what you got going on, brother? <laughs> Hi, I'm Bug Hall. You may remember me from such films as. No. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, pray your um, your seven sorrows chaplet. Mm. You know, one of the things because people reach out to me a lot and ask me about this and that, um, and I talk a lot about how I had these blind spots that I genuinely didn't see. These like you know these attachments that were completely preventing me from moving forward in a substantial way in the spiritual life, um, and I genuinely couldn't see them. I didn't know they were there. It's like these black holes, um, and that's not to say they're fake. Um, but uh, yeah, so if, if if you if you think you have blind spots, um, the Seven Sorrows Chaplet, ask our Blessed Mother, especially this time of year, especially leading up to uh, Holy Week. What a perfect time for it! Um, she will absolutely reveal your blind spots to you if you ask uh, and you really mean it. Uh, and you and you pray that uh, seven sorrows chaplet with great devotion. Um, and there's a great book called the. Uh, if you're looking for good meditations on the seven sorrows chaplet, the book is called "The Foot of the Cross" or "The Seven Sorrows of Blessed Virgin Mary." That's the name of the book. Father Faber. Father Faber. Excellent. Uh, my only reminder to folks: if you're still watching or listening, today is the 31st of March. Tomorrow on April Fool's Day, the 1st of April. It is the 100th anniversary to the day of the death of blessed Karl von Habsburg, the last, well, in a way, the last Holy Roman Emperor. I don't think it was technically the Holy Roman Emperor, but the last truly Christian monarch in Europe, the Emperor of Peace, the man who tried to avert the suicide of Europe, which was World War I, uh, and who nearly succeeded in pulling it off even midway through the Great War, the war to end all wars. Certainly someone worth knowing more about, Blessed Karl von Habsburg. You can see him over my shoulder from the Trinity Brewing Company uh, and uh, Trinidine. And and I, I think if if folks haven't adequately prepared for this monumental event, the 100-year anniversary of the death of uh, blessed Carl uh, of Austria, Charles I of Austria. Um, it's too late to start a novena to him, obviously, but take the opportunity tomorrow on the 1st of April to ask for his intercession and to reflect on his uh, kingly life and his life of nobility as an example of sacrifice that uh, all of us can live through. Many of us are going through um, trying times right now. I know a lot of families that are just suffering and a lot of them are saying to themselves, why, why is this suffering coming to me now? And, and a lot of us are being, I think, pruned and prepared. Um, if you want to uh, think about someone who suffered well all the way until the end um, and, and even someone who appeared to have material defeat on earth, but who's, Whose, whose victory was attained in heaven. Uh, Blessed Carl von Habsburg is the saint for you. Um, so, Blessed Carl, pray for us and thank you so much for watching. <laughs>